Sports podcast. Uh, today we're very, very lucky as one of our special guests is to have Gary Rogers, who's a very, very experienced investigator. So Gary, welcome to our Inspiring Thoughts podcast. Thanks for inviting me, mate. So I'm, I'm very humbled. Yeah, no, really, really great to have you. I know you've got a very, very uh, busy schedule, so it's great to have you kind of um, part of the podcast today. So um, Gary's been given questions like all our guests, um, seven questions in advance so that he can get time to prepare. And then we can actually glean that rich knowledge uh, from Gary kind of get, uh, to share with us. So, Gary, before we get into that, would you mind just sharing with our audience your kind of career history or your career path? That'd be wonderful. That'd probably take up quite a bit of your podcast, mate. Um, <laughs> I was going to say we've only got 50 minutes so we'll see how we go. <laughs> so I actually checked this uh, so in February this year I passed 35 years doing investigation work. Oh, um, wow. So yeah so I just you know I've started in private security um, and then I did a, a spell in the in a government civil service doing fraud investigation work and surveillance work spent a short very short time in policing and then spent the remainder of my career uh, working for transport for London where I sort of led and then eventually restructured and managed uh, about 250 internal investigators and external fraud investigators looking at serious staff misconduct um, Bullying. I was a dedicated bullying and harassment investigator, chairing numerous disciplinary areas, and and unfortunately attended court, both magistrates and criminal and employment tribunals, more times than I really want to recall. <laughs> so that's it. So, that's me. Another <laughs> so, thing there. So you've seen you've seen a lot in your time. Um, probably a, a silly question, but I'm smiling to myself. What made you get into investigations? <sighs> Do you know what? Honestly, honestly. Um, I left school, no qualifications, and I sort of started working in the building trade. So around the late 80s, um, it sort of fell apart. And then I suddenly realised, hmm, I probably should have gone to school because now I can't do anything. Um, so I fell into security work. And then from then, I just found I had this, I don't know, this interest, aptitude for finding and, and identifying um, areas of, of misconduct. So I actually started as part of what used to be called test purchasers or mystery shoppers. I used to go yeah. into organisations, just pretend to be a mystery shopper and watch them and see if they were taking, basically back in that day, taking stealing from the till. And it just sort of progressed from there. I just sort of found out it was interesting. I just carried on. Each time I went on a different bit of training, I moved, I was progressed into another department. But I'll be honest with you, Steve, I actually tried to leave after a short spell in policing, I got a little bit disillusioned with constantly dealing with grief, to be honest. Yeah. Um, and, and I actually went to Transport for London, believe it or not, to be a conductor on a bus. Right. Yeah. And and I went for this job and they said, no, 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 you don't want to do that. Not with your background. Let's move you into this field. And I yeah. that's how I ended up still going into it. So, yeah, but I still find it interesting. And yeah, I'm still here. Yeah. And one thing that um, I noticed from uh, like from LinkedIn and your profile, you're constantly learning and developing and going in courses still, etc. I see that quite a lot from your development. Mm. Um, what makes you do that? Um, I've had this conversation a couple of times this week, actually, already. And it's I'm not naive enough to think that despite my experience, I know everything because you've done. Yeah. You know, yeah. there's a lot of people out there who probably like to think they do. But you know what? We, we don't know everything. You know, people never cease to surprise me on yeah. what they will do or not do um so i'm constantly sort of exploring different aspects of investigation work particularly in this ever 
evolving world of tech you know social yeah. media um, and stuff like that so i'm sort of constantly trying to keep myself updated yeah yeah and i'm, I'm a, um, a great believer about being current um, and a lot of people say to me um i'll just do my job and i'll do that for the rest of my life that's okay but people will overtake you in your career unless you stay current and keep enhancing your skills you'll get left behind won't they yeah absolutely as i said don't think you know everything and and i've yeah. done you know i've recently as you said I, I do a lot so i've recently just you know updated myself on a lot of the ICAS stuff because you know legislation changes yeah. um technology changes as i said and people change you know you look at you know the younger generation i don't want to be this but you know when you come from a certain generation and you've you've experienced certain things the new generation have a different perspective on things yeah. so keeping yourself updated on that i think is really important the changing landscape of of the world yeah yeah no i think it, i think it's fantastic and i think one of the bits where you and i've worked together before about just keep learning it's great i think it's great to keep learning mm, from that absolutely aspect. yeah so yeah. So to take it back to the kind of um, nuts and bolts of the beginning, what is an investigation? What's the part of it? Or, you know, what, what is an investigation? In simple terms, right? it's a fact finding exercise. That's it. That's, yeah. you know, it, you know, really breaking it down. You know, we like to overcomplicate. You're, you're there to establish facts. You're there to find facts. Um, and that's and, and you do that in a multitude of ways. You know, you you conduct interviews with people. You're gathering information, documentary information. So it's just a fact finding insights. It, it it's just you know establishing when someone comes forward and says this took place. It doesn't matter what it is really. It doesn't matter what it is. This is I'm not happy. This is what's happened, yeah. and I want this looked into. As an investigator, you're that independent voice, that objective voice, that voice of reasoning that says, OK, I'm going to conduct this fact finding yeah. exercise. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, um, I like the couple of words that you said there about um, fact based evidence, which is really rather than opinion based, because that's where mm-hmm. a lot of these kind of investigations or grievances, people are based on opinion. Um, and the other bit there is you are only just gathering information through the investigation, aren't you? You're yep. not judge or jury or hearing manager. You're just gathering that detail um, to then that supply is, to other people, aren't you? Yeah, absolutely. That That is a common mistake, I find. And I'm sure you might ask me that. But a common mistake is, yes, you're absolutely right. You are, as an investigator, you're there just to gather the facts. And yeah. then you're providing an outcome based on those on those those facts, that, that evidence, and nothing more. It's evidence based, not emotionally based. Yeah, yeah, and and there is high emotion, isn't it? You know, during an investigation, mm. extremely high emotion, and, and a good investigator is to try to take that emotion back, isn't it? Yeah, and hold it back to just see the evidence and the facts rather than yeah. opinion, etc., and also get caught up in it. Yeah. No, which is easy to do, by the way. It's easy to sit here and say, um, don't let your own emotions influence yeah. your 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 decision making process during an investigation. It's easy for people to say, and I, I think it's the really experienced professional investigators that are able to do that well. And that's understanding your own bias as well as the bias of the people that you're speaking to and keeping that in check. Now, I've said on a number of occasions, I am a massive believer in peer review. You know, if you feel that's the case, always, you know, seek advice from others to say, look, I'm yeah. on the right track here. Does this seem yeah. reasonable? Yeah. 
And that's the same in the mediation that you, you're going to have your own bias, you have your own thoughts and all that kind of stuff. But how do you keep it in check to remain impartial uh, and actually there for the benefit of the colleagues, because that's what you're there for, um, rather than have your own way or opinion or yeah. agenda, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And what would you say are the key skills to you? Know, you've worked with a lot of investigators and I know from your experience, what would you say if you could pinpoint the key traits or skills, what's what's a really good investigator do or behave? Um, a couple of things, really. Um, the first one, as we've already just discussed, is, is maintaining your impartiality, being objective, yeah. just looking at what is before you. There's an old, there's a, there's a saying that uh, in, in investigations, and that's you know, follow the evidence, yeah. not the emotion. Yeah, and yeah. that's what you're doing. You're following the evidence. So being very impartial. I think also you need to have really good. Um, people skills and I'm talking about communication here into because yeah. you're going to be interviewing a hell of a lot of people in some cases and it, as you as you mentioned earlier so there's there's a lot of emotion because yeah. believe it or not these people irrespective of what you find as an investigator their truth is the truth and that's it and yeah. and they're going to be very emotionally invested in telling you what that's all about and why they're unhappy yeah. and you have to you have to really be a good people person to take on board you know this what they're saying not not sympathize empathize yeah but not sympathize with them understand that there's their situation and their emotions and recognize it but making sure that you're keeping that check and, and and for me interviewing people in that scenario is, is very difficult and that's a key skill for an investigator and the other thing is is being methodical. You know, you've really got to go through the information with a keen eye for detail because it could be that one little piece that you're just scanning through that you just think that's not important. Actually, it could it could hold the key to the whole investigation. So I think if I, I try this loads more, I could probably go on about forever. But yeah. those three, I think, are the key ones. I'm a, yeah. as you know, a massive, massive fan and and you know advocate of really good interviewing techniques because yeah. you know we see all too often particularly in the press about how the way an investigation has been handled and the way witnesses have been handled can lead to uh, in, in criminal cases like false confessions but actually you know they could end up end an employer in an employment tribunal and and yeah. you know you know which nobody wants nobody wants so yeah, yeah. They're the key things for me. And and just to pick up on the or I, the, the phrase um, there about um, empathy, not sympathy, is a really kind of and people people struggle with that because they think I want to rescue that person, I want to share, I've gone through this experience, so they then they then become part of the investigation, <laughs> or from that point of view. Whereas the empathy gives that person that breathing space and respect to it's their agenda, not the investigator's agenda, isn't it? I find that that for me in um, mediation, investigations, etc. Once people can connect with that, it makes their lives a lot easier, isn't it? Absolutely. And and we're going to have those life experiences. So, you know, for example, if you're, 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 you're interviewing someone or you're speaking to someone who's alleged they've been bullied and yeah. you've had you've experienced that yourself, of course, you're going to you're going to connect with that situation. And that's what we were saying about earlier. This, this, for me, it, it's, it's a key skill to understand your own bias. Yeah. 
you yeah. know, I think you in, in mediation, I think you call it hooks and triggers. Yes. Um, yeah. yeah. Um, but that's what you've got to be looking out for. You've got to think, oh, hang on, this this may be something I'm going to connect to. And you just pause, just take that yeah. second to reflect a little bit and then, OK, not get drawn in. Yeah. And um, what would you say um, of like the key training that people would go through or what training to be a good investigator would you would you say is really kind of um, great to have? Because you, you're not going to just go from day one and go, I'm going to be an investigator. What would you say to set people up to win would do? I think I think you've got to look around, Stephen. I think you've got to you've got to decide what type of investigation or investigator yeah. you're going to be, uh, yeah. because it is very different. So obviously, from my experience, when I first started training, there wasn't really a great deal of external training providers for investigations. Yeah. It was all done very much in house. So my initial training, really through various roles, was internally. Now there are so many good providers out there and, and I think what you've got to look for irrespective of which area of investigation you're going to focus on, I think you've got one of the key things you want to be looking at as I've mentioned is you know understanding how to structure and plan an investigation, yeah. really good interviewing techniques and real detailed knowledge and then how to compile all of that and produce this evidence-based findings. Uh, yeah. There are some really good, there are some very good providers out there. Um, I personally, my personal training was all in-house until in, in, yeah. in TFL. I went through, uh, I went through, because I, I was doing fraud investigations, so I went, I went through the City of London Police because they're obviously the leading yeah. uh, law enforcement organisation for fraud investigation. I did my training through them. And then, you know, workplace investigations, you just got to follow the ACAS guidance. But I do think it's, you know, I do think it's it's bespoke to what you want to focus on. Yeah. Yeah. And and it's um the, the bit I found is uh, every investigation is different, but it, it, the field that you want to go into investigate, it, it's not just one size fits all. You've got no. different investigation skills, different clients you come across. So they're all in different like sectors or markets to specialise in, isn't it? You can't just do one and you'll be OK with everyone, if that makes sense. No, I mean, I do. I do say that having 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 conducted sort of criminal investigations and, yeah. and having conducted, you know, employment or workplace investigations, the core principles are the same. The core yeah. principles are the same in how you plan it and, and, you know, you're interviewing. But there are, you're absolutely right, there are unique little differences, burden of proof being one. Uh, yeah. And also your 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 interview style um, tends to be more open with workplace investigations. When, when you start going down criminal, you've got evidence there to support it and you're trying to support the evidence. Although yeah. the, the interview techniques are exactly the same, it's just a different approach. Yeah. Um, you, yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd like to think that if you can just get the basics right, it's like any any job you yeah. do, the basics, the foundations, they're the key things yeah. you need to focus yeah. on. Yeah. And then the, the also the other bit is about doing the uh, conversations with the clients, um, following the evidence, as you said, and then it's the compiling of the report as well to make sure it stands up. Yeah. Um, and that's also in people's training to think about about how to write good reports it's not all the just good work at the beginning. It's how do you bring it together and articulate it? It stands up kind of the test of time, isn't it, as well? Absolutely. Do you know what? This, this is an interesting point because, you know, you can do a fantastic investigation, 
Yeah. And then you can put this report together and, and the person who it's intended for, you know, the audience are reading it and they go, I've got a clue what this person's saying. Yeah. And it can just completely destroy all that great work you've done. So yeah. so you're absolutely right. Making sure that you've got your report down, your report writing skills down to a fine art is key because actually my personal approach is whenever I'm sort of making my findings, I'm directing them to where that evidence is that supports what I'm saying yeah. in my report and I, and I do that a lot and then I think a lot of people fail to do that you're absolutely right you've, you've got to, you've got to be able to articulate what you're trying yeah. what you've done because remember the audience they haven't got a clue what you've done they don't yeah. really know what the investigation they don't yeah. just want to read a report and say well just tell yeah. me what happened and now you've come to it but as an investigator what you're yeah. actually you know you're so embedded in it you think yeah. people know what you're talking about but they obviously don't so yeah, yeah your report is it's almost like what's it? it's it's like the uh it's like your magnus opus and it is your last little bit that says this is the yeah. result of all my great work <laughs> yeah yeah and that's and that's a bit where i think to echo about people when they're looking at training providers courses etc the, the the people skills soft skills investigation skills those kind of things really really important but the report writing is the thing that brings it all together to kind of stand the test of time, isn't it? Yeah, the the report is actually bringing it all to life, and that's what it's doing. Yeah, yeah. Um, now, one thing. Um, so I love a good uh, like murder mystery on TV and crime, and I, I really like it. So it's one of my passions. Um, what was I see a lot? And I don't know you and I've spoken before. What what's the balance of probability? What does that mean for people? Because um, I hear it a lot of people go, well, it's the balance of probability. And what does that actually mean in investigation world? <laughs> and this is probably more for me rather than the audience, so I can understand the crime <laughs> programs. You know, a lot of investigators struggle with the balance of probabilities. Yeah. You see, the burden of proof is really easy in it. The evidence says it did happen. Yeah. And if it doesn't, then you, you that's it. You can't, you can't, you can't, you know, uh, prove your case. Balance of probabilities, I, I talk a lot about in my, my training, as you know. And the simple, the simple way of understanding balance probabilities, does the evidence suggest that it is more likely than not the event took place? That's it. That's the simplest way of understanding it. So you hear a lot of people talking about he said, she said, and, you know, if that's the case, it's, you know, they can't prove anything. Actually, that's not true. It's not true because you may have supporting evidence from witnesses that say, I didn't see anything. I didn't hear anything. But actually, I know that I've heard that person say something like that before, or I've seen that person with that person acting in that way before. And suddenly it's like building a picture. Yeah. So as an investigator, you're pulling all this information together and you're saying, OK, with everything I've got here, is it reasonable for me to think actually, although no one saw it and no one heard it, this probably did happen yeah. based on all this supporting evidence. Yeah. And that's where I find, I'll be honest with you, Steve, I've done this recently with a client. I run a session and I gave them a scenario and very similar to what I've just, just said. And I said, so on a balance of probability, do you think there's a case to answer? And they went, no, nah, no. Nah. And I was like, well, how, how, how have you reached that conclusion? There's not enough evidence. I said, okay, but you've got all these people that are saying they've heard things, they've seen things, yeah. and you don't think on the balance of probabilities this is more likely not to happen. No, we think it's unconclusive or inconclusive. Yeah. I was like, what? So, so basically you're saying there's no case. And they went, no, no, we let that, we let the disciplinary panel decide that. 
Okay, so a disciplinary panel, you know, as an investigator, you're saying it's inconclusive. As a disciplinary panel, you you think they're going to say, oh, well, we're just going to run to a disciplinary, anyway, even though the investigation didn't yeah. include anything. Now, I know that was a bit of a long-winded example, but it gives you gives you yeah. a context of how the balance of probability is actually a very important part of yeah. workplace investigations. And yeah. you need to understand it because worst case scenario, you're doing an investigation, you say there's no evidence and that's it. That means potentially you have an individual, a colleague in your organisation that thinks, great, I've got away with this. I can continue behaving yeah. in this way. Yeah. You know, so for me, it's an important part. My long-winded yeah. way of saying that's the easiest approach. Yeah. Is no, it more likely not to have occurred? Yeah, and I think putting it into that context of is it more likely to have happened or not? And how have you based upon that? So have other actions been happening or been seen that you can bring together to yeah. demonstrate um so that that makes it easier now for when i watch my crime program so i appreciate that gary for for me being selfish uh, as well so um, what would you what are the main areas not to break confidentiality or anything like what are the main areas that you're asked to investigate so if i took in the last five six seven months what would you like main labels or topics you've been asked to investigate I'll be honest, Steve, it's, it's, it's very unfortunate, but definitely in the last six months, I've seen, I've been asked to investigate a number of serious allegations of sexual assault and sexual harassment. Really? Um, uh, and also I'm seeing more very detailed, complex grievances being raised against very, very senior management. And I am talking here the C-suite of, of management, yeah. talking CEOs, directors, partners in some organisations. Uh, so unfortunately, yeah, that, that that tends to be what I'm seeing at the moment, uh, yeah. which is quite, quite disturbing when you consider the context of, you know, a lot of what's going on in the world today about this, yeah. you know, about women in particular feeling safe uh, and, and actually feeling vulnerable. And we have all these allegations at the moment. And I've, I've, I would say I've conducted at least five or six in the last six months. Really? Yeah. And yeah. and are people happier? Not happier. That's not the right word. But more confident to come forward with their concerns and issues. If I took in today, rather than probably in the past, would you've seen more people want to want to get things resolved rather than just brushing it under the carpet before? Yeah, yeah, I think I think that would be fair. Not 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 as confident as perhaps we would like them to be. Yeah, but more confident than they were. If I and I think that's a cultural thing. I think um, back in my days, you know, of starting early in a career, there was this culture of, I'll be honest, misogyny um, yeah. and bullying. Yeah, you know, you know. You know the the old phrase JFDI, um, yeah. that type of approach to things and and treating um, particularly females in the in a workplace yeah. like they were just secretaries and they weren't really didn't have any yeah. input or value in the organisation. I saw that a lot. Um, I think there is a cultural shift, which is a really good thing, where now those those people are speaking up, they're coming forward. Yeah. Um, I'm not so sure that they're 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 confident that they're concerns are treated seriously yeah. uh, as much as, as they should be um, I think sometimes it's, it's difficult 
when you're saying to somebody that there isn't any evidence mm. at all that would support the allegations but what you do see is just this really poor management style of yeah. of leaders in particular and yeah. and that's a, a common thing for me in my recommendations is every time i've looked at these investigations uh, i've identified that actually there's no investment in people and there's yeah. no investment in their leaders in terms of how to manage people but also how to behave and you know the values of the organization so yeah i think there is but certainly not enough not enough yeah and i think you've you've fallen into the next question there which is about what what would you say um are the, are the main things that could do to prevent investigations or what could help to alleviate getting to that position what, what do you think could help or support i think i think organizations investing in their in their people you know from 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 the first initial stage of recruitment into a position and giving them the support and the training and the mentorship and the coaching to to excel in their role and and work beyond i think it was branson said was it um train your people well enough so they can leave but treat them well enough so that they'll stay yeah it's a branson quote and i think that's a key thing i think that's a really good quote because i think that's what people need to do because as i said earlier every time i see there's there's no investment in people i think you know the other key thing is this encouraging people to actually speak up yeah speak up call it out you know um i've just done some training uh online training with susie lampley trust i'm a big fan of and, and you know it's it's about you know um this this active bystander yeah yeah uh, and you you know you intervene when you see these things or you call it out when you see it and you can yeah. do that in a safe way and i think that that's people need to be having conversations actually i think that's what needs to take place when you see something wrong call it out yeah because we, we both agree i know that investigations a formal process is a destructive process it ruins yeah. relationships it, it it starts to make this them and us yeah. um, approach and no matter what happens one of those parties if not both of those parties involved are going to be unhappy about an outcome of an investigation no matter how. but actually if they'd have spoken in the first places of it when it first became a yeah. problem and tried to resolve it maybe we wouldn't be in a position where we're having to go this formal route so investment yeah. in people and and actually talking calling yeah. it out and it and it's um i think in 2020 the cipd did a paper saying uh in conflict and that line managers 50 percent of the time make situations worse um and it's not because they're doing it maliciously it's because they're not trained mm. they're not skilled um they're kind of read this document and then you can have a go at an investigation or do that so but it makes it worse and creates more chaos rather than uh, i think i also saw through acas or the oecd saying 2.4 million colleagues new managers a year are untrained mm. so actually organizations are setting themselves up to fail and those colleagues by not giving the correct training or just giving them the support to be in a better position rather than causing the, the problems and, and they're not doing it maliciously they're just not trained to do it if that makes sense no, I, I told you, I, that sounds reasonable to me. That said, when I do investigations, that's what I find. Managers not really. You know what I've used the phrase 
and, and it's not meant to be detrimental at all, but I've done some investigations recently and what's said is I find an, 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 an element of professional immaturity. Yeah. And what I mean by that is that people are being elevated into very senior positions yeah. with a with a with no mature process of going through their career, no support, no mentor, no coaching, yeah. no training. So they're elevated to these positions and expected to undertake these things, but they're in their career, they're not mature enough, they haven't gone through that process to be yeah. able to manage certain situations. So that that to me, you know, yeah. I, I just just sounds fundamental and as I say people just not speaking to one another yeah and yeah. I think the um, other bit you said there about active bystander we should call it out we should be able to say about other people's behavior um, and I've seen definitely from um, if you took uh, generation uh, uh, XYZ coming out they're, they're calling more out which is great because they're saying mm. I'm not putting up with that and I'm not tolerating that behavior whereas I'm talking to my generation you kind of go well oh, I just ignore it and they won't pick on me or anything like that. whereas now we should have the confidence to go that's unacceptable behavior because then that will create that bit we're all in it together rather than that poor person that's getting bullied or had a go out etc feeling by yeah. themselves isn't it yeah yeah that we, we know from, from our own experiences that when when people are bullied the first thing they feel is isolated that's it first yeah. first reaction isolated then they feel like they're being victimized and all these things start to escalate and actually if someone was to stand up and call it out as we just said i'm sure they would feel like well actually no i'm supported here it's not just yeah. me thinking this this is something that others have seen just yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, I'm a big fan of that as well, actually. Yeah. Now, the, the next question is where I get my big brave heart speech. And I'm so passionate about um, revolutionizing like grievance, bullying, harassment policies, all those kind of things, because they, they, they drive people into that uh, investigation or kind of that approach. What's your view around like restorative policies or restorative frameworks? What's your view from those? Yeah, um, again, I think we need to change culture in organizations and and i think to a degree of, of individuals yeah because the formal process is a default now i'm not saying that in certain circumstances based on my own experiences you know and, and history yeah. that there are certain circumstances that absolutely they do need to be investigated yes. whether it be because there's a regulatory breach or there is a potential criminal act yeah. taking yeah. place or whatever or they're very serious in nature and i'm not disputing that I'm not disputing yeah. that but as we've just discussed it let in you know, if people get into this early discussion calling it out trying to resolve it you know just through being humans we should be able to sit down and have yeah. a conversation and say look you know i wasn't wasn't particularly happy the way we treated me there because the individual who's doing it may not necessarily know yeah. that they're, they're they're coming across in that way because it's all about perception isn't it yeah. so i'm yep yeah, i'm a i'm a i'm a fan of restorative processes uh, i think we should we should be encouraging organisations to follow this through. I think there should be a process where the first port call. Do you know what? I'm going to say something I never thought I'd say. My 20 years at TfL, the one good thing about their policy was the first line was have the individual sat down and tried to resolve this informally. That's yeah. the first line. Yeah. And that was like, you know, 1999, I started there. So, you know, if they can see it, 
Yeah. Why can't everybody? Why can't anyone else? Why can't all the other organisations, big or small? So restorative approaches, restorative frameworks, whatever you want to call them, this this informal resolution approach yeah. as as being the default, rather than yeah. the formal approach being a default. I think will create a you know my my personal view is it, it just creates a little bit more trust in the organisation and gives people a little bit of of ownership even yeah because you've, you've got the ownership well have you had a discussion sit down have a chat with them if you need someone to sit in let's sit in yeah. with them let's just just you know facilitate it whatever so yeah, yeah. that's my yeah it's a bit way forward now, and i um, and i agree a lot of people i think get, um uh, misunderstand about um early resolution and, and they all think oh it's really tree huggy and we get rid of the formal stuff and it's not the formal oh. process is still there because as you said there are still serious issues. There are stuff of regulatory breaches. They need to be formally investigated mm-hmm. um, from that point of view. But what it's trying to say from the, the early resolution policies is everything doesn't have to go that formal route, which colleagues that I've spoken to over the years, nine times out of 10, don't want to go that formal route. No. But it's the policies say that's the route you have to go. Yep. So they ultimately go into it. Then it causes chaos, harm, destruction to them and their families. Whereas it's just trying to go, actually, there's a better route for those colleagues uh, through a kind of restorative framework or a, uh, a positive dialogue framework, those kind of things. There's other routes that are available that are better. It saves the company money. Um, it's better well-being, inclusivity. There's loads of benefits, but organisations being brave enough to change from the 90s policies to a more modern policy. That makes sense. Yeah. So that's yeah, my brave heart speech uh, <laughs> no, on that one. Well, you've, you've got me. Um, yeah, I, I think, you know, it was, we started the conversation about, you know, individually, what do we do, keep updated, and, and we move with the times, horrible phrase, but we move with the yeah. times. Yeah. And unfortunately, I think that's part of the problem with organisations, we're just, they're not moving with the times. Look, yeah. you know, why are we stuck in this process? Why are we stuck? And you're absolutely right, you know, people will just do what the policy says you know and yes. I've, I've had people who go do you want to raise agreements no i just want to i just want to yeah and you've got person the person from the organization the person who they've approached whether it's hr or their line manager or whoever they're saying well actually the uh the policy says you have you know if you're not going to raise agreements yeah. if it's not in writing i can't do anything about it i mean have yeah. you ever heard such nonsense in today's age if, it, if yeah. you don't put it in writing i can't do anything about it what but that's like yeah. you know i always say that's guilty knowledge yes i've told you you've got to do something about it it's your responsibility come on yeah no, otherwise that person's going to go away and go oh we'd have some waste of time and that yeah. situation is going to continue perpetuate 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 yeah. and then eventually you you're however many months or years down the line and suddenly they've come to you and they've got a whole host of evidence and say, now I'm raising the green string. Yeah. Goodness, if only I had that down at the beginning, I'd yeah. have stopped all this nonsense. Yeah. And, yeah. and that's a bit of um. it then the person then starts to gather evidence over time. Whereas before at the beginning bit is I just want to sort this out. You know, I'm not yeah. sleeping well at night. I want to talk it through. But then people, and I've seen many times, well, you know, do a grievance and that's the policy. You go, but actually all they wanted to do is have a chat and then we create that kind of beast or that that mechanism which is awful to go through so yeah no i, I think um we're, we're definitely aligned on on that gary and um, so the last question because i know you and i can talk to the, the kind of um all day long um 
I know you do a lot of self-development and that, but what are you working on in 2023 for, for Gary? Well, you know, I'm still, I'm just still going through, uh, updating myself on all the ACAS changes uh, to legislation. So I'm still working yeah. my way through that. And believe it or not, um, I'm, I'm now considering, I, I don't come from a HR. I always start my conversation with, because most of the work I do comes from HR professionals. And the first thing I say to them is, I'm not a HR professional. I'm an investigator, yeah. that's what I do. But I realise now that maybe, you know, it's time for me to sort of get some basic HR foundation work in. So I'm looking at um, doing some HR courses through CIPD, actually, um, just to just to get some some understanding uh, of their role. Because I think that leads me on, actually, because one of the things I do think is I think HR get a bit of a rough ride yeah. um, at times. You know, they're, they're accused of a lot of things um, and, and some of it's very unjust. Um, they're there to support people um, and I've seen quite a lot of posts around you know HR conducting investigations and I think we've, I think HR themselves would probably say this as well people have lost that understanding of what HR do which is generally yeah. there to support them um, the investigator actually shouldn't be HR in my personal view it yeah. should be an independent and HR are there to support them or lead them yeah. through the policies and and the colleagues in the organization yeah. So for me, it's like trying, I'm going to be uh, I'm going to be looking at that this year. Yeah, yeah, and I and I think that's a really good point because I've got this soft spot for HR colleagues because I think they're like piggy in the middle that they didn't choose to come into the the HR world to fight fires or mm. issues or that they come into the world to help people support. Um, coach, develop, strategic, those kind of things. But we're seeing through probably. Uh, policies, leadership, etc. They're getting caught up in that that kind of um, destructive work rather than the constructive work which they wanted yeah. to get into. So yeah, I'm totally. definitely, definitely. I think you and I are in agreement with that. Yeah, definitely, mate. Absolutely. Excellent. So, uh, Gary, I just want to say a massive thank you for being one of our guests today. Um, how can people get hold of you or kind of ask any more questions? What's the best oh. way for people to reach out to you? I'm 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 a, a LinkedIn monster. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> so if you want to DM me on LinkedIn, uh, I'll yeah. be more than happy. Um, as you know, we're, we're going through some some restructuring in our organisation at the moment, uh, which is exciting stuff for us. Uh, yeah. and it'll be coming out within the next week or so. So, while that, just drop yeah. me a line on LinkedIn. Why not? Yeah, wonderful. So thank you ever so much, Gary Brilliant. Rogers, for joining uh, our Inspiring Thoughts podcast today. Uh, and I hope you have a really great day ahead, Gary. But thank you ever so much for joining us. Really, really appreciate it. Uh, it's an honour, mate. And uh, look after yourself. Thank you, Gary. See you, mate.